Hi, and thanks for downloading this episode of Queer I Am, the podcast. I really hope you enjoy it. This podcast started as a small idea and has turned into a real passion project for me and is something that I wish to continue to make way into the future, but I need your help in doing so. So there is a cost in making Queer I Am, the podcast, and it's something that I funded and will continue to do so for the foreseeable future. But if you'd like to get involved and support the podcast by subscribing to Acast Plus, that would be incredible. And if this is something you can't do, no worries at all. I really hope you keep enjoying the episodes and I intend to keep making them for as long as possible. Season three is coming up and you are in for an absolute treat. I am so, so excited. If you'd like to support the podcast, details of how you can do this are in the blurb of the episode you were listening to. And what this also means is you get to listen to all of the episodes of Queer I Am The Podcast, past and future, completely ad-free. So no interruptions whatsoever. What could be better? Anyway, enough of the serious blurb. Let's crack on with the show. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. In From the Side has been labelled as the gay rugby film we have all been waiting for by Pink News, and with global premieres and excitement behind the project, I'm understanding why. Today I'm talking with the co-writer and director of this incredible movie, and I cannot wait for you to hear this episode. Please welcome to Queer I Am, Matt Carter. So whatever you're up to, this is your time to settle down, relax, and enjoy the podcast. Welcome to Queer I Am. Hi, Matt. Thank you so much for uh, being on Queer I Am, the podcast, season two. Um, super, super thrilled to be uh, chatting with you today about your latest project. How are you doing today? Not too bad. Yeah, just uh, getting over the craziness of uh, we had previews last night and it's opening night tomorrow night. So it's just, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's craziness. It's complete craziness. But yeah, it's all good. But amazing, though. I mean, the, yeah, you know, the, we'll talk about the film, but uh, what a week to, to have in your life. I mean, it just must feel amazing to be in well, this situation. Yeah, it's just it's one of those crazy things where you know I've wanted to I put this post on Instagram, sort of you know, gushy post. All the actors have been doing all these gushy posts, and I thought I'll do a gushy post as well. But it was uh, you know I've, I wanted to be a filmmaker since I was a kid. You know, yeah. it's, uh, and to have a film in cinemas is always something that you know it's it's the it's the ultimate dream, right? And yeah, it's something absolutely. that you kind of, especially with Netflix and things now, you know, you kind of think, oh, it's a, a less and less likely dream to have because everything's streaming now, and to get in cinemas is just so difficult if you're not a Hollywood studio. And the fact that we've, you know. We're in basically what ninety five screens last night, and so sixty two on on tomorrow night. It's it's crazy. Like mm. I, I, on in, never in my wildest dreams that I thought it would have taken off as much as it has. And then you know that's not counting for the the stuff that's yet to come. The kind of the you know the international stuff: America, Australia, Israel, lots of countries in Europe that are all doing cinema releases. It's just it's nuts. It's yeah. absolutely nuts. I can't. It's believe. amazing. It's yeah. amazing. And we'll, we will obviously talk about the film. Um, 
because I watched it last night and you know I can understand why it's getting the um the kind of reviews and support behind it. But um before we get into the film, if you had to pick a song to reflect your mood today or this week, what would that song be? We always start oh. this on the podcast. Oh, get God. people warmed up. Um, I, I, I wish you told me this in advance. I would have picked something far, far more thoughtful. I'm just, when people say, "What's your favorite film or favorite song?" and I'm put on the spot, I can never. My mind goes completely blank, and I can't think of anything. We've got um, a quick fire round at the end, so just get oh prepared God, for that. That's all right. Okay. <laughs> how can how can I prepare for a quick round? Anyway, um, um, oh, I don't know. Um, I, I I literally don't know. I can't. I, my mind's gone blank. I, I'm okay. terrible. Sorry, I'm so sorry. Maybe uh, maybe uh, point is I'm so excited because you're having a really exciting. That sounds week. great. Yeah, let's let's go with that. <laughs> there you go. I'll choose your song for you. Oh, that's awesome. That's so so good. Um, okay, cool. But obviously, you know, the, the film. I mean, congratulations. I as I said, I watched it last night. Um, you are the writer, uh, one of the writers and director of this of new uh, amazing queer film, and uh, in from the side, um, and it's getting some great press as well. Um. As I said, I watched it last night um, and I've read lots of the reviews. I've been following it on Instagram and, you know, the website and looking at some of your posts and stuff. But for anyone that hasn't watched the film, and obviously this episode is going to come out in a few weeks' time, um, can you tell a listener about the movie? So essentially it's a, a, a forbidden love story set in a in the gay men's rugby club. But the nice, I think, the unique thing about it is the forbiddenness doesn't come from uh, coming out or homophobia or a lot of the things that we've seen over and over again in gay cinema in sort of you know queer cinema mm. um it's it's uh there's no coming out or homophobia in the storyline in any of the storylines and what i think what for us once we dispensed of that it frees you up to explore m- the more interesting stuff that you know that the, the kind of um drama that can happen within the gay community and specifically within sort of a, an inclusive rugby club um so yeah sort of plot wise yeah it's a it's two characters who are both in in dysfunctional relationships who sort of find each other but um due to circumstances have to kind of keep this the growing love they have for each other secret because of the implications it would have on their teammates around them and and the the fragility of their club because it's a struggling sort of financial club that Mm. you know there's a very delicate political landscape and something like this could sort of fracture the whole thing so there's all this secondary pressure on them to to have to keep this sort of um affair between the between the two and secret uh which is obviously in a rugby club it's almost impossible to keep secrets so mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah absolutely you could see people looking and stuff and yeah i was like oh god are people finding out as you know what's going on i think that the two main characters um you know were, were were great so we've got mark and warren um we've talked about this already i'm definitely team mark um <laughs> I, I, I i don't know there was something mind mind you i towards the end i was team warren as well and i won't obviously give away why but i think they both both characters lent something so lovely to the film and their story together was really quite special actually even though there was this kind of like secret kind of life behind you know closed doors and there was all these other stuff kind of going on in the background i really felt that actually there was a real chemistry between the two characters and i thought the actors really you know portrayed that in a really lovely way it was it was a really lovely film to watch um what was the inspiration behind the movie and and the story i mean obviously you've talked about the fact that there isn't a homophobia there isn't a coming out story which does give you more room to play around with the storyline but was there anything in particular that kind of did you know um influence this story when you when you started writing so i mean i suppose to get some background um i've been involved in inclusive rugby now for coming on eight years okay this as a player coach and referee um more coach lately um and so it's a world i've kind of lived in for a long time and you know i've, I've met so many of the teams around the world been to tournaments you know there's so many stories that you hear and you know the it's such a rich culture full of um really interesting specific elements to it that you know, rugby as a film, I don't think has really been portrayed much, uh, you know, on film at all. It's it's mm. really underrepresented, let alone at grassroots level. Um, and I just, all the time when I was living, you know, sort of living and breathing that that life, I sort of thought this would be so good in a film. You know, there's so much here that that would be interesting to an audience who is, isn't familiar with this world. So I I knew I wanted to tell a story set in an inclusive rugby club. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, the, I think the love story is something that I think will provide a bit of a hook that can get kind of everyone into it. So it's not just a sports film and it's sort of something that's universally relatable, relatable really. And I think, um, I'm very fascinated by the, the, the lines that we create for ourselves mm-hmm. and in, in gay relationships, you know, monogamy, monogamy, open relationships, you know, the deceit, the, you know, some the things we do to get the things we need and, and the, you know, the, the rules we place on ourselves. And I, I find that really fascinating. And it's something, again, mm-hmm. I've not really seen explored. So it was something I thought was really contemporary 
to kind of put to film and to put those two things together and to see if they'd work. I mean, I, I hope they did. Uh, we, we, you know, I, I hope, I think, uh, most of most of the reviewers have said that they think that it kind of works, but yeah, <laughs> but, um, but uh, yeah. you know, those are the kind of two sort of core ideas that that sparked off the you know the creative process at the beginning. Yeah, no, I think it was really good, and and obviously one of the characters is in a in an open relationship. Um, another one is in a closed relationship. Um, the rules of those relationships all end up being completely blurred anyway. So regardless of of that situation, but again, I think it was. I don't, I don't know if I've seen any queer films over recent times where like openness has been explored and actually i think it could be explored more i think it's something that's becoming more common to talk about i think that you know we've got great literature out there and you know lots of kind of topical conversations in podcasts about kind of open relationships and non-monogamy and things so i, I think it was really great to kind of bring that to to the story and um yeah you, both characters were unique in their kind of in their own ways i guess um so i thought that, yeah. was, that was really cool um pink news has said that this is the gay rugby film that we've all been waiting for um and you know this is getting lots of attention like globally um you've got lots of premieres scheduled and i mean it's just amazing san francisco london you've said israel um i mean the attention this is getting obviously this is your baby it's your project but is it kind of surprising you or from the outset did you think no no this is gonna this is gonna work it's gonna happen i think with kind of any creative project or process you go through waves of mm. loving it and hating it or like loving it like believing in it and then disbelieving in it and i remember when we were um adam silver and i that my co-writer when we were writing the script i mean literally started writing this about five years ago as when i sort of pitched the ideas to him so it's been a long time in the making but um you know, when we're writing the script, I thought we've got something really special here. You know, mm. we'd like this could be like, you know, this could be huge. And and then, you know, when we started shooting, obviously it was a low budget, you know, film. We didn't have all the resources of a Hollywood film. And, you know, although we, you know, we had, we had a lot for what we had, you know, in terms of I, I had a good camera, you know, we had lots of people give it their time. So it, we didn't have nothing, but, you know, the realities of low budget filmmaking, I sort of adjusted my expectations and thought, maybe it's not gonna be like an enormous film you know mm -hmm. and then and then as it sort of came together in the edit and the music was you know we started doing the sound on the first production i started to think oh actually yeah maybe this could be something big again yeah. but even then you never you never know and you, you know i could never have thought that it would it would explode the way it has um i'd like yeah. you know it's it, i'd love to be the opportunity to say oh yes i knew from the start you know <laughs> i always knew yeah exactly but i mean but no, i think you know like you're, if you speak to any kind of direction you never know what's going to be success and you never mm. know what's going to you hope you're making something that will resonate with people, but you can never be sure and you can never really know. Mm. Well, you know, the interesting thing is you just said about being low budget. I never thought that when I was watching it. Um, it didn't even, you know, like compute that that was the case. It was very much a beautiful, you know, film, very lovely shots. And I don't know, I, I just didn't even think about that. So I think that's a credit to, you know, what, what you've put into it. It, it, it's very, it looks very slick and polished and yeah i think it's i think it was great um and, and also you just mentioned about you know before about you know including something about like rugby it's not a sports film it's not just a queer film it's kind of in, you know encompassing both areas i don't play rugby but actually at the end of it i was kind of like oh i think i'd quite fancy a go actually it looked it yes looked really, that's exactly that's a, yeah. a, a, a secret i mean secretly not really secret because i've talked about this so, so much in various <laughs> things i i you know i really hope that in in some ways a secondary function of this film is that it does get more queer people into sport because mm. you know it's um there's a sort of a line in the film that i went sport but i'm sure you, you having seen it you know which one i mean mm. where you know we talk about how in um you know as as queer people in in um as a gay a queer or gay you know i'm a gay man but I, you know, mm -hmm. I can't speak for other people in the community, but uh, you know, a lot of people have a very tough time in school and that puts mm -hmm. them off sport almost for life. And some people mm -hmm. never take it up again. Um, and actually, you know, rediscovering sport as an adult in a space that's, um, that's accepting and, and, uh, uh, safe, shall we say, you know, like where you're surrounded by people from the same kind of you know community, uh, you realize actually it's sport is for everyone and it's mm -hmm. not something that, uh, it, it just exists in the heteronormative domain and that sport can have massive well-being for everyone mm. you know and and i really hope that when people see this film not necessarily just their rugby club but they might look up their local sports club and think you know maybe i'd like to give uh swimming a go or maybe there's an inclusive swimming club or inclusive mm -hmm. tennis club and to sort of realize that actually sport is something that maybe they want to give a go at because i think what people don't realize is it brings this secondary uh benefit of the sense of belonging community um and that's really i think what the heart of the film is about is it's people finding their tribe or finding uh, a place where they belong you know we you know 
community, especially in big cities now, it's hard to find a community that are, you know, people that you regularly see and sports clubs kind of serve that function where you see the same people week in, week out. And in some ways that's not always a good thing. You know, mm-hmm. like in the film, you know, you, you spend a rugby club means you're mixing, you're also rubbing shoulders with people from very different walks of life with very different life, yeah. out, you know, life outlooks. Um, and you're not always going to get along, but you're there, you know, for the same reason and you kind of have to get along. And that's, that's, mm. uh, that's life, right? And that's the community. And that's, that's, you know, yeah. we use the term rugby family a lot and families don't always get along. And yeah. I think it's a, it's a great source for drama if you're, if you're writing something, but, <laughs> but, you know, go back to it saying, yeah, it's, you know, I hope that when people watch the film, they think, oh yeah, I'd love to give that a go. There was one, so, uh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. There was one scene where it was like, it was just pissing down with rain and everyone was just like in the scrum and just like going for it. And I thought, God, that must be quite freeing in some kind of way, just to get like filthy and just like really like run around and, you know, have this sense of just loving the sport so much that you just don't care and you're just going for it. There was one scene though where I think they're playing, are they playing the, um, the team? Is it Cardiff they were playing? Yeah. Um, and there's one chap who was just huge. And I thought, oh my goodness, if I ended up playing rugby and he tackled me, I just like there's no hope you know (laughs) that's that's, so i'm actually in a sort of polyamorous kind of a a sort of a a relationship and that's actually one of my boyfriends the one you're talking about it is yeah (laughs) um no he's lovely i mean i was so lucky that you know sort of everyone around me kind of mucked in and helped on this film but amazing in the script we've written that we there was like an enormous kind of uh towering sort of player and I was like, Jamie, that could be you. <laughs> could yeah, you do it? Yeah. And he's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was, I was just, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not small, but I was just like, wow, that would hurt if, if I was tackled. Yeah. Um, but no, I thought it was amazing. And actually, you know, you've just, you've just, um, touching on what I was going to ask you about actually, and I, I think it's just a really important topic. So I interviewed uh, Paul Tyndall a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. I and obviously, Paul. you know Paul very well, and obviously he yeah. introduced us, and um, we talked about kind of his work with the Brighton Hove Sea Serpents and inclusion in rugby, uh, and we talked about how you know generally there's you know homophobia in sports, um, and actually sometimes it, it seems like a place where actually there isn't inclusion, and how important it is to have those kind of safe spaces. And one of my questions was, you know, did you want to make something to show the two worlds kind of colliding? And I think you've kind of answered that really, and in, in the sense of you know, this is a, a a gay rugby film, but actually you're seeing both sides of the spectrum. Aren't you? You're seeing the kind of relationships as well as the, the sport being really, really inclusive. So that, you know, was that a real kind of, did you feel like that was a real kind of privilege to to be able to make that in that respect and kind of bring those worlds together? Um, I suppose in some ways, uh, there's two, there's, let's break that down a little bit because um, uh, firstly, I think you know, rugby uniquely, even non-inclusive teams are very unique in the sense that the rugby is quite an inclusive sport. Mm-hmm. And I do think kind of inclusive clubs in rugby will have their day in the sense that it, the the mainstream sport is becoming so inclusive that a lot of like, you know, LGBT players are going and playing for for what we say, let's quote unquote straight teams mm-hmm. because they're just so accepted and no one, no one has an issue with it anymore. You know, so I think there's still a place at the moment for inclusive clubs to sort of help people get into the sport to feel safer if they've, you know, encountering the sport for the first time. But I think rugby uniquely is very, very inclusive. And it's not, I really think there's not much homophobia. I mean, I played, you know, um, when I was when I was playing in London for sort of five years, I played out, out in deepest, darkest Essex for, you know, and we, I never once, never once in, encountered like a homophobic slur. And we were playing sort of, you know, teams in Essex and not wow. there's anything wrong with people in Essex, but no, it, it really is. It is amazingly inclusive and amazingly kind of accepting rugby. I, I, I'm pretty sure that can't be said of all sports, especially not football. I think it's a mm-hmm. long way to go in football. But for me, it wasn't a case of trying to, um, uh, you know, to, you know, collide two worlds in a sense, but to show that rugby is actually for everyone and that it's, mm-hmm. you know, but, but I think, you know, also to sort of try and demystify the you know, sport generally and show that actually, you know, um, sport is for everyone. I think I've repeated myself now a little bit, but yeah. no, no, I, I can't answer the question. I'm not sure. Yeah, no, yeah, absolutely have. And I think, I think, you know, when, when Paul and I were talking, we were talking about sport kind of generally, um, and you know, homophobia in sport generally, but I think it's really great to hear that actually that inclusivity has always kind of been there within, within rugby. But I think again, you know, and, and maybe this is a, a perception that is, you know, bias. We all have bias, don't we? For, for me, it seems like a very kind of masculine, kind of dominated sport, I guess. And, and I guess, um, you know, that automatically in my mind kind of makes me think, well, would there be kind of homophobia if, if it's not an inclusive rugby club, for example? So I mean, um, that, that's, I, I, this is the kind of the, the crux of the talking point that I get into a lot with this. And it's, it's actually one of the, re, you know, the real things about the film that I was quite passionate about is I think there's this 
misconception that um because rugby is, is quite a physically demanding sport mm. that therefore that equates to it to heteronormative you know heteronormativity yes that um anything that's that's masculine or, or you know masculine presenting behavior must be a, a non-gay thing and i think that that's if of all the stereotypes i'd love to kind of demystify that that would be the one that i hope this film sort of trying Absolutely. to achieve because um at the end of the day gay men or queer men are still men and we all have a, a propensity for masculine behavior and uh and a, de a delight when we get to revel in it you know it's not something i think because we've um you know there's a history of of you know gay men being tormented by the sort of hyper masculine sort of i guess what we could call toxic masculine behavior i mean i've I use that term very loosely because it's a very loaded term um and i think it's overly used a lot of the time to sort of stamp down on healthy masculine expression um, and that's why I think rugby is, is a really positive, uh, healthy uh, exploration of, of one's own masculinity. I think uh, so. I, I, as, as Paul know, I coach for um, the the Brighton Host Sea Serpents uh, Rugby Club in Brighton, um, but specifically, I, I help run the uh, Try Rugby program, where we get new players who've never played rugby before coming in and giving it a go, and you know we sort of bring them up to speed so that sort of after eight weeks they're kind of match ready. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the things that I love watching and it gives me it's so it gives me so much pressure. The reason I do it is seeing the confidence that gets gets built on the on you know these new players' faces and realizing mm -hmm. that. Oh, I actually really enjoy this. I mm -hmm. really like sort of being a bit, you know, uh, venting my sort of aggression a little bit in a healthy outlet and, you know, doing something very physical. Um, because I think we've, we, as gay men, we sort of feel that that's off limits to us because it's mm -hmm. uh, maybe through the history of not liking in, in sport and stuff, but healthy masculine expression is absolutely as much a gay thing it is as it's a heteronormative straight thing, you know, mm -hmm. and, and that those two things aren't sort of mutually exclusive. Um, and that it's not, not all kind of masculine expression is is toxic or or um you know homophobic but the perception it, it is that it is mm -hmm. you know that the um anything that's sort of very physical must be homophobic because it's um and i i, I sort of try to unpack why that is and i, I still don't really know because it, it it's a question i'm asked all the time almost in every mm -hmm. interview about about rugby is is it kind of you know, it, it seems like an odd match to see mm -hmm. a, a physical sport and gay men. And I sort of ask, well, why is it? Why is that? Because <laughs> yeah. in reality, it's not. I mean, mm. the inclusive rugby is, is exploded in the last 20 years. There's so mm. many, there's about almost 200, I think, sort of inclusive clubs around the world. And every every two years, there's the Bingham Cup, which is basically like the Gay Rugby World Cup. And there's almost sort of 4,000 gay men playing that. And that's those are just the people who found out about the sport. You know what I mean? People who've not, mm -hmm. there's so many people who probably, who just don't know that the, that's even a thing that they can do. Yeah, absolutely. Do you know, I think it's a really, really interesting and valid point that you make. And I think that um, you're right. I think that, that it's, as I said before, it, it's a bias. It's kind of like almost like a perceived or a, a perception of, of what things would be like. And I think, I think maybe in some way, you know, for me personally, I can't speak for everyone. I think that probably comes from, um, you know, being made to feel less of you know uh, a person or you know and I, I i identify as queer you know i for me man masculine doesn't really sit i'd say comfortably with me i feel like i'm i'm more kind of um in, within the queer spectrum but i think that regardless of that i think there's been a kind of um a history of um you know whether it be media or people in the public eye or people with voices or just like generally how gay people have been treated to make them less than and i think i wonder if that's where sometimes this kind of heteronormative um perception of you know what sport looks like or what you know um masculine energy will do makes makes gay people sometimes or queer people feel uncomfortable because that's their lived experiences is what they've experienced in the past but i think what you've done with this film and i think it's a really valid point that you make is you're showing there is real inclusion and you're showing that actually just because you're queer or you're gay doesn't mean you can't fit into society in all its forms um yeah. and i think and, and again if you look at over the last kind of 20 years or so yeah inclusive rugby that's fantastic but think about film and cinema and you know positive programs out there that represent the gay and queer community just been quite non-existent really hasn't it it's almost yeah. like i mean something... we've been very lucky i think with um some recent in the last year we've had some amazing show i mean like you know it's mm. a sin but oh, again it, but i mean it's a fa fantastic show but but again it's very much focusing on the trauma yes of gay life but, yes. but, but the thing is it's an important i think you know Needed the to hiv be told. story within the 80s is a story that's you know very delicately walked over like you know in eggshells because it is mm -hmm. it's, it's difficult and actually sometimes we do need to kind of that is an important part of our history that can't be forgotten as well as so i think we just kind of tell all stories and it's you know it's interesting what you're saying about um you know i, I think you are right in the sense that um you know 
queer people have been subjected to um overly masculine behavior as a kind of you know man up sort of thing mm. and that and that has created a swing to sort of uh you know the the sort of warm embrace of of, of you know the more feminine side of the of the spectrum that's less judgmental um but in some ways i mean for uh, we could get into you know the, really get into the weeds over this I, i'm fascinated i'm fascinated i think it's interesting topic, yeah because yeah. i mean i it's something i've sort of tried to think about and analyze a lot over the years because you know as someone I, I find myself sort of i guess more on the masculine presenting spectrum and i've often been told by a lot of people you know oh you're you're just in, uh, externalizing your internal homophobia like you know as if the sort of default state is is something in between that if you're a masculine presenting uh, gay man you must you must be there must be a mask that you're wearing. It, you, it's impossible to be authentic and, and be gay, you know, and do that. Mm. And again, I think that's that's as a response for you know many gay men who have been you know um, like you said you know traumatized or attacked for mm -hmm. not being masculine. So the, the the swing is to sort of demonize masculinity itself. And I think that's um, well, I, I don't know. That's just a theory I've had. You know, it's dangerous territory, it's, isn't it? It's kind of and yeah, actually, invalidates. I think we really need to be more accepting of everyone and realize that everyone should be allowed to be who they want to be wherever you lie on the sort of the masculinity spectrum mm. and that all sort of you know uh forms of presentation are valid um and to sort of not to sort of you know not be judgmental about how other people want to present i think that that's mm. that's the way i sort of look at it um do you know it's really interesting as well because i think if we if we break all of that down it's just labels isn't it it's exactly yeah. masculine presenting feminine presenting it's it's just we're just people and it's like everyone yeah. if everyone can just be free to be themselves and live their truth i think also maybe the kind of um conversation around you know um when you know inverted commas like f a more feminine acting kind of gay or queer people Ooh. again i wonder if that comes from you know um almost like the patriarchy of kind of like you know um how women were seen in the past and actually that men were you know more than than women as such and actually absolutely there's that, there's definite misogyny like uh historical yeah. misogynist undertones just to why some of this uh ideology exists you know so why this sort of behavior exists and i think mm. um it's interesting as well because i think rugby um although it's physical and this is what i find really interesting you can get some people who i mean i, I know we're talking about labels but i think that you know there is some some utility to, to descriptors for mm -hmm. being able to have the we wouldn't be able to have this discussion if we couldn't label the the axes on the spectrum if that makes sense yes, rather, of course. Rather, rather than using them as a derogatory label yeah um but you know let's say people who are sort of more feminine presenting i've seen some people you know play amazing rugby who you know uh amazing like sassy beautiful people but you know equally brutal on the pitch and you know there are some characters in the film that i think definitely spring to mind that we wrote in that way you know mm. um pinky for instance i think is incredibly sassy and fun and you know bit larger than life character but mm. we introduce him i, I don't want to spoil the film but we introduce him in a quite a sort of a you know he does something that we, it, we could be considered quite lavish but i think it's just quite you know it's, it's a bold statement of how tough he is yeah. even though he's probably one of the you know one of the more sort of larger than life characters mm -hmm. um and i think you know rugby is for, is for everyone it isn't just you know for you know any if you're a, a proper lad or you know it, it's it's a sport that i think you, you have to kind of separate i guess physical toughness from gendered behavior i think in some ways yeah absolutely and i think i yeah i absolutely think the film does that and i and congratulations because i think it, it really does show a different lens to the whole you know the whole thing it's not just about rugby it's not just about queerness it's kind of like everything kind of coming together and actually showing that actually you know the world is very diverse and and there's there's room for everyone I, th I thought it was really great and as i said it was beautifully short and a really lovely story and i am a little bit in love with mark um yeah. i won't lie <laughs> i won't lie he was he was quite lovely <laughs> yeah. it's interesting how it divides opinion there's very much a something you know I, I think because we try to be very morally non-judgmental with the characters uh -huh. that because they both transgress they're doing things that you know and you know then it's like this i'm trying to i'm trying to speak without spoiling things too much mm -hmm. but um you know they they both do they both do morally questionable things but we we try and invite the audience to sympathize with them um mm -hmm. and because they're human beings at the end of the day we all do bad yes. things and you know we all learn from our mistakes um but to think that you know we're all perfect people who don't make mistakes is is you know it's it's naive and it's not and it's also doesn't make for very good entertainment <laughs> i just wanted so I'm, I'm, i hope this won't give too much away I mean, the thing is, it's this goes out on the eighth of October, so people hopefully would have seen the film yeah. by then. But I just wanted Warren to be braver at the end. I just like, oh, just, I don't at know. The, there at, was... the, at the end or two thirds in? Um, because at the yeah, end, two, at the oh end, yeah, two yeah. Thir two thirds in. But then even at the end, it was almost like, I don't know, like he was just making do, and I just yeah, I think I'd... I think um, 
Oh, it's difficult to talk with that. I know. It's. Uh, <laughs> no, I think. I think Warren's a really, really. I think he's probably one of my my, my favorite characters, and that uh-huh. he's so morally complex in that he's the one with the most bravado that hides the most amount of insecurity. Um, you know, all mm. the. I mean, Ali, the you know Alexander King, the guy who, who uh, sensationally plays him. He's talked about this at length, and and you know, I, I just love hearing him talk about it because it's just it's fascinating to see his interpretation of the character. Mm-hmm. And the thought process he you know put into when playing him, but I think you know he he wears a mask um, of this sort of bravado that uh, hides the fact that he's he's just so terrified of being alone, and mm. and 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 even and he kind of he's in a relationship with someone, but how one can still feel alone within in a relationship when it's not right, but um, sometimes the loneliness t- overpowers your um, desire or like will to to actually end a bad relationship and look for a better one mm-hmm. or you know because the, the loneliness can be so overpowering um ryan reynolds here from Mint mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices down so to help us we brought in a reverse auctioneer which is apparently a thing Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mm. And I think, I, I, I really, a lot of people say, am I, am I meant to feel sorry for Warren at the end? And they, Ali gets this question all the time and he says, well, what do you think? You know, and it is that kind of, <laughs> you, do, you do pose that question of the audience rather than try and sort of, you know, I, I, I was very, cautious about leading the audience's hand down a certain moral path or to say this is how you're meant to feel it's very much a presentation of the events and the facts and whether you think it's right or wrong whether you feel sorry for them or not whether they deserve your sympathy is very much up to the subjective opinion of the audience yeah i think it could be really split actually um they, they, both characters have said were were beautiful together and I, I, we mentioned this last night when we were texting but um i absolutely loved the christmas scene um <laughs> yeah i'm glad you like that <laughs> i just Christmas for me, like when I see a film with a Christmas, like kind of, you know, montage and music and people drinking in the snow. And it's just, I don't know, there's something really wonderful about it. And obviously this film is now coming out, but we are now in autumn and the weather's yeah. changing. So it felt very cosy when I was watching that part of it. Um, well, put this way, the DVDs come on, comes on sale on the 28th of November. Perfect oh, amazing. For, perfect for Christmas sales. <laughs> plug, plug, plug. There you go. Exactly. There we go. <laughs> but no, that, that, you know, that, that sequence is really fun. And um, there's a kind of interesting story behind that um, in that, uh, we originally wanted to use uh, a, a sort of vintage Christmas track that we you know a very popular one. I won't name it. Um, okay. But, um, and we tried to license it, and it was going to cost us basically the entire budget of the film. Like these, as in what, what we spent on the film. Again, like that would cost wow. just just to license that one song. So it was obviously not possible to do that. But I was so I loved the um, having like a sort of seventies Motown sounding Christmas mm. song. And the fact that it was that sort of vintage sound with a contemporary modern love story, and it makes it it made the love story feel timeless. Mm. Um, and I was so fixated. I wanted a period sort of sounding track. So mm. I literally figured out 
um, went did tons of research on seventies recording equipment and to record and write and record our own Christmas song that that would sound like it came from that that period that you know um, down to the microphones we used and the, the singing style and the writing style and some people come out going was that written for the film because I've never I've not heard that before and I was like oh it's amazing I'm yeah. so pleased because the, the the idea was that it would sound like a track that came from the era that must have passed us by that we didn't hear yes they, they yeah. wouldn't they wouldn't assume it would have been written for the film it was just uh because there's, there's always a great familiarity that you have when you hear a track like a pre-existing track used in a film mm-hmm. it brings a certain sort of warmth and nostalgia and we kind of wanted that but without it actually being a song people were familiar with yeah are you going to release it as well as a song like I'm... so actually just a, a complete accidental plug here uh, this the original soundtrack for the film actually got released last night at midnight but i oh, have wow. pu- i have but i haven't publicized it yet um until i was going to publish it on saturday because i didn't want to sort of draw focus from opening night tomorrow night i thought after uh-huh. everyone's seen it on the friday night they could listen to the soundtrack the next day but amazing um, my other half was like well people are going to have seen it on the previous night they're going to want to listen to it the next the next morning so i thought yeah. okay I'll, I'll put it on a little bit earlier and keep it quiet but that's brilliant that's, that's so good. out now if you if anyone wants to listen to it yeah well i will i'll definitely download it and um i'll share on the Instagram as well. On on the Instagram, I've got to sound so old on, on, the, I, on the I'll share, I'll share it on the gram. Um so and obviously premiere last week in London. Um how was that for you? I mean, you must still be buzzing from the experience. I mean I'd love to say all I'm getting used to all of this, but it's it's not like it it the whole thing is crazy. Like I just I feel like I'm in some sort of upside down world where I can't believe this is all <laughs> happening. You know, it was just, you know, being having a Leicester Square premiere. When we when I arrived at the venue and they've got this massive sort of LED wall outside the the you know, the view Leicester Square there. And the whole thing just had in from the side written on it with a big picture of Mark and Warren. And I just thought, oh my, like I couldn't believe it. everyone was taking photos of it because it's just like, yeah. what, what, that was the start of the evening. You yeah. know, then we go inside and they've got sort of the, you know, the step and repeat board that everyone's taking photos in front of the red carpet. You know, all these celebrities were there. And and then I met the, sort of the Q&A host and it was just, and it was a sold out thing. So, you know, it, it was 400 people, how many the venue holds. And uh, we were up in this sort of, this little green room um, away from everything. So we didn't see the whole, full auditorium until we went down and it's just it was just crazy walking down the room and like and you know we introduced the film and just seeing the whole audience and it it, it never gets old it's it's no. just it's crazy all of this it's like yeah I, I, i'm trying to find ways where i just sort of get normalized to it so i don't sort of freak out every time yeah yeah <laughs> especially because i've got to do q a's in front of a lot of people you know having to stand up and talk about the film you know and i still get nervous every time you know i think you know i'm getting a little bit used to public speaking now but yeah. i think it's it's one of those things isn't it everyone's biggest fear is public speaking or something but and i can definitely understand why because it's yeah uh, yeah so is, do you have a day job aside from I do, or... yes. It's been very difficult to juggle both. Um, I'm actually a, a visual effects artist, so that's kind of okay. my bread and butter. Okay. So I, I work on other people's films while trying to sort of juggle my own one. Oh, um, well, so you're, it's not like you're kind of a vet and then making a film on the side. I mean, you're, you're obviously in the no, world, no, so yeah, you kind no, of, I, yeah. It's, yeah. I, I'm in the, you know, and I've been a photographer for, you know, 15 years and, okay. you, know, so, you know, I've been making little little things here. And, you know, I've made animated films and stuff, you know, like short films. There. So it's, I'm, I'm versed in, in sort of this sort of, quote unquote, cinematic sort of language. Of yeah, vocabulary. yeah, of course. So it's not, it's not a, like you said, it's not sort of, I'm, I'm a vet that just kind of made a film. But <laughs> I don't know why I said vet, it just kind no, of came out there. Well, it's a, it's a, it's a good, good one to choose. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but um it's uh it's still it was still a challenge you know it's always yeah when when you're doing a i've made some short films before so it's not it's not entirely different but a film of this scale just having a two-month shooting schedule yeah like, it's just things you don't think about that are difficult even just like um when you fit sleep in yeah <laughs> like so it was literally two months is what it took to make yeah the film. We, we we shot wow. uh we shot from january through to the end of february uh 2019 so it was pre-pandemic um but it's just it, you know we'd get home from because yeah you know, we were all wearing so many hats on set but you know mm. I, was, I was wearing probably a couple of extra more than other people. Like I had to drive the kit van home at the end of the day, you know, unload the stuff and then offload the footage back the footage up. So I would get to bed sort of maybe one or two in the morning. I have to be up again at five or six the next morning to do it all again. Wow. And, you know, after a week, it you really start to hit the wall mm. of what mm. your body can physically do. Mm-hmm. Um, it was tough, you know, and the, but that that's, that's low budget filmmaking, right? Because you, if you, when you have a budget, you have, you know, you've more time, you have more people that you can afford to help. Mm. literally do the heavy lifting but it must make it all the more kind of um special because that amount of graft and time has gone into it it's it's your baby i guess isn't it it's it must be a real 
and it, it is it is sort of like giving birth and that's why this sort of week is the is the birth yeah. really it's, sort of yeah. nervous. But it, it's, it's it's almost like a birth and then watching your child go to college and in, in the same day yes <laughs> yeah yeah and everyone's like, got it's, an it, opinion of them <laughs> yeah exactly you know and you know it's, it's very it's, it's hard to wrap your head around i mean we've, we've had reviews starting to come out this week you know and we yeah. we're very lucky that the reviews have been you know really good but i'm preparing myself for you know we will get bad reviews as, as well i'm sure you know people aren't gonna always you know universally love the film but it's difficult because you know it's just, it's just been a, a little project that i've had for myself for the last three years you know working at home just doing mm. all the post-production on it and then to sort of to literally just throw it out into the world and and then it becomes it's it's no longer yours really i think it becomes um yeah it belongs to the in the public domain it, it everyone who watches it now owns a piece of it not in a bad way it's, in, it's a lovely way that's the best way you know art can be you know when it's it, it, it you've given it to, to to the society or to culture to you know it's part of culture rather than just you know a piece of your own property now but i guess it's like a vulnerability now (laughs) no 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 i I guess it's like a vulnerability it's like putting it's putting your work out it's putting your thoughts your feelings your your art into something and then you know you're supporting it you know that people around you are supporting it but then it's out there for public opinion isn't it and everyone else gets to and and it's, it's difficult i think as well because um you know i i obviously can't speak for other directors who've made other films but i think I don't know, and it, you know, maybe everyone feels the same way. But I think because it, I've, you know, I wrote the music, uh, you know, I edited it, and the extra things that it 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 makes the I guess uh, it feel I feel a bit more vulnerable because it's 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 more of me up for scrutiny than than yeah, I guess. Yeah. It, you know, I mean, I always think you know when when directors sort of disown their own films, saying, "Oh, I had there was loads of studio intervention," you know, I, it's not the film I wanted. It's a way to kind of mitigate that kind of. Uh, owning or having to feel that criticism too harshly whereas mm-hmm. I, I i can't do that you know there's no one every every sort of creative decision in the film you know obviously from from my part of it anyway you know i have to kind of own yeah you know, of it's course. not something it's not something i can sort of go oh you know it, I, I wouldn't have done it that way it's like well it was your film <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah you have to own it <laughs> yeah, so, yeah it, it's difficult it's uh it's hard to wrap your head around a bit sometimes I, honestly, I'm, I'm not just saying it because I'm interviewing. I thought it was fantastic. It was a really great film, and I'll definitely be watching it again. And oh, um, I'm recommending it. It was no, it, I, I, you know, I really applaud anyone that has a passion for something and puts themselves on the line and and follows their dream and does it. I think you know that's testament to your hard graft and what you've put into it. I think it's in- incredible. So, um, really, congratulations, and I, I really hope it's so successful. And you can get your nice paid maternity leave so you can have a rest. <laughs> yeah, follow the analogy. Yeah, it's... yeah. <laughs> Honestly, it's let, let you... it heal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. When you um when you're done with all your promotion and stuff, you must be ready for a holiday or just to, yeah chill out for a bit. It must be. Oh, uh... Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's I mean, she. It's funny. I had a holiday about um. A couple of well, two weeks ago, we went on a nine day cruise, and just oh, nice. before the craziness, I sort of came back feeling almost more exhausted than when I left. Yeah, I yeah. Think I need, you have this holidays where you sometimes need a holiday from the holiday, but um, yes, well, I'm I going to Gran Canaria in a few weeks, so um, oh, I might be it might be one of those as well. Actually, actually it might, Gran yeah. Canaria is good fun. I think it will be one of those if uh, if you live if you live the Gran Canaria life to the fullest while you're there, that you, you'll definitely come back needing a holiday. From a holiday, that. yeah, yeah. Well, I was told the other day that apparently there's a really lovely like um other end of the island that's got like a nice kind of like fishing like port and nice restaurants and you can kind of chill and stuff so that does sound quite appealing as well because i finished recording this season at uh, the week before we go away so i think by that time i'm going to need my you know my downtime but i'll obviously get a party as well it's got to be yeah. done isn't it it's um, mass palomas for the first four days and that the other side of the island for as a chaser at the last you know the last two to kind of recover yeah well I'm, we're going for nine nights so nine nights wow, yeah that's... is that a bit long do you think for no i um well, I've only been once, so I'm, I'm sort of, I'm not really, uh, you know, we just did the kind of Mass Palomas thing. Um, yeah. which is, I can't remember, a number of years ago now, actually, but um, no, it's good fun. It's uh, messy, but in a good way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, sort of, like... um, yeah, it's kind of, uh, uh, how, do I, how do I describe the Yumbo Center? It's kind of, uh, <laughs> it's like, it's like a, a, a drag bar meets the Elephant and Castle shopping center. <laughs> it's, kind of, it's sort of slummy, but but amazing and sassy at the same time. It's a, yeah, it's, it's yeah. a unique place. Yeah, no, I'm, I am looking forward to it. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. So one thing we always talk about on this podcast is allyship. And I think from our conversation, it is, it is clear that, you know, allyship and, you know, sense of community is really, really important to you. What do you think needs to change within our queer community within the next kind of 12 months? What would you like to see develop or grow or just generally change, I guess? Mm, that's a big one isn't it um mm. and there's no right or wrong answer no, there's, i mean i'm try, trying to think uh is that external things that we'd like to see change in the world or things that we can change within our own community about ourselves could be a bit of both really i mean i definitely think there's you know when i've spoken to people about this before you know we've talked about how 
actually allyship is incredibly important within the community and actually how we've all got to have each other's backs and you know support support trans siblings for example i said paul and i were talking about rugby and we were talking about you know the the kind of issues that are within rugby at the moment with with our trans siblings actually you know how important it is to keep the conversation going and make sure that we are you know make sure that everyone's got a voice and they're supported so yeah anything really i I suppose um just from the things i've witnessed to first hand you know lived experience stuff i think we could all be a bit kinder to one another Mm -hmm. and to realize that actually um helping other people doesn't necessarily mean that things are going to be taken away from us um and uh whether that's you know talking about the film for instance you know sort of uh i mean the film has been labelled by a lot of, um, I'd say, sort of more extreme parts of our community as, oh, this is just an endorsement of a toxic masculinity. And I'm like, there's a lot of people said that just watching the trailer, having watched the film. And I'm like, it's it's upsetting to hear things like that because it's uh, it's almost the antithesis of what the film is trying to do, or at least my intention of doing it. But mm. it's like, again, it's like we talked about earlier, it's that fear of um, if we further normalise masculine behaviour, then we're not creating a space for you know sort of more queer, fem, feminine sort of behaviour because we're sort of you know that will get pushed to the sidelines. And I think if we're just a bit kinder to all, all to one another and accept one another without thinking that it's not a zero sum game, it's mm. not you know there's not one there's not part one piece of the pie that we all eating from. It's, it's you know we can all live in this space and and um, and if we can support each other, then everyone everyone can live their authentic life, whatever that is, without having to say you know. Um, and you know, like you said about so trans players in sport, it's you know it, there's a room for everyone, mm-hmm. and it's, it, you know we're, it's we're not by letting allow some people in, you're not excluding others. Um, mm. I don't know. Yeah, no, I think that's and, and I think you know going back to the point we made around um, you know labels, and I, I think this com- you know conversations like this podcast or film that you're making, you know, it's incredibly important to keep these conversations going and talk about talk about this stuff because actually. I had a bias today around masculinity in sport. There'll probably be lots of other people out there that have the same feeling, but actually by, you know, someone like yourself making a film, speaking about that and saying, actually there's room for all of it. And, you know, this is about inclusion. It's not about separation. And I think that that is powerful. I think that's really important that we kind of, you know, we all have the opportunity to, to hear that and to then grow from our, our biases or experiences. I think also, um, we also just to add another kind of like mm. thing that we could maybe improve on. I think we could all be, uh, we could all, like you said, listen to each other. But in order to do that, you have to allow everyone to speak as well. And I think um, there's a tendency in the community to be quite dogmatic about things, and that prevents these discussions from happening. And mm. if people can't talk about things, then they'll just go away and they're in, and go into their echo chamber and and not have you know pe- people who have sort of ideas that you know maybe aren't as, as evolved will never have those ideas changed if they're not allowed to talk about them and have an open discussion. And discussion isn't always bad. And I think there's a kind of a, if you don't agree with me, then I'm going to unfriend you kind of attitude. And especially mm. in the, in the, in the queer community, I think we, we're very with us or it, it's very polarized, I think. And actually that, what that does is it just, it just further creates polarization. And mm. I think if we can have honest and open conversations about different topics, you know, whether it's, you know, gender, masculinity, behavior, you know, behavior, all these sorts of things, I think they're only, um, we can only all evolve if we talk about them mm. and, and, to, and feel safe talking about them without, um, you know, and it gives, it gives everyone the opportunity to learn and to grow, I think. Well, it's you know, safe spaces, isn't over, it? Yeah. yeah. And, to, and to overcome our biases because we all have them. You yeah. Know? completely complete yeah it's learned behavior it's it's things that we learn it it doesn't come from anywhere it's based on experiences but i think you're right and it's it's safe spaces isn't it it's kind of you know having an opportunity where you can have people from different ends of the spectrum kind of talking openly and the other one listens and not judges and says thank you for sharing that i can understand where you're coming from and it's it's just that human contact and respect for each other isn't it i think is what you're saying and i think that's incredibly important thank you so much for that matt that's that's really lovely and um it's always an interesting topic when we do the podcast talking about allyship because you know we all have different takes on it but i think it's something we have to just keep talking about because it's just incredibly important inside and outside of the community so um so yeah thank you for sharing that um we now have the quick fire round which <laughs> i'm hoping uh you will you'll be good at um okay i will give it a go i'll do my yeah, best I'll you'll be fine best. i'm sure you'll be fine so queer icon queer icon oh god um I, I, when I said my mind goes blank, when I get sort of asked like random questions, <laughs> I, 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 you know, I really mean it. And they don't have okay. to be queer. Um, they could, they could be an icon from 
another community to the queer community or they could be queer themselves it's completely up to you oh god i feel under such weight of pressure if i could come up with a a good answer rather than just a sort of an, come on an you made a film um, in two months on a low budget you can do this it's true it's true <laughs> um okay well on that on that sort of side I, i'd say uh uh i'm gonna pick a filmmaker then okay um it, it's not really a queer icon though it's really it's sort of not re- not really following the assignment anyway um uh Actually, you know what? I'm, I'm going to go with Jordan Peele because I think I've recently watched his his new film, and I I love the fact that he's doing interesting stuff. That he's you know the representation of you know using almost exclusively people of color as well in his films. I think, and I love the fact that his films are good quality. They're not just um, uh, and he he like we we're talking before about having difficult conversations. He's exploring interesting things um that provoke conversation, but not in a way that feels um uh in like a propagandistic it's mm-hmm. it's 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 genuine and interesting mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and I, I absolutely loved nope i watched that last week and it just stayed in my mind and i just i just love every film he makes i can't wait to watch more so there we go Amazing. just off, off the top of my head a, a filmmaker at the moment i'm you know i love i'm sort of fangirling over there we go icon to you no that's amazing queer anthem queer anthem um it's got to be any kind of kylie track i mean um my other half Ooh. loves kylie and i also a big kylie fan uh queer anthem let's pick one um I think say something because the you know the pandemic is still fresh in everyone's mind to some extent. You know, it's when I made the film and when say something came out, it was like a breath of fresh air, and I love uh-huh. it. And every time I hear it, it makes me feel like oh, it's, it's just yeah. There we go. Was that from the Magic <laughs> album? Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I um, I've never seen Carly live, and I would like to see her. Have oh, you... it's amazing. I, I've yeah. seen her several times live, and it's it's she's such a, a a good show person. Like she's just yeah, it's yeah. It, it, I'm always amazed at the sort of the spectacle that is created in her shows. It's brilliant. I really respect her singing live as well because so many artists don't, and she yeah. doesn't have the most outstanding voice, but she's oh, always. I, don't know. I think she's really she's got quite a special voice, you know. Yeah, she does. I mean, she she can sing, but like, <laughs> but she she I think she really makes the best of what she's got, and I think that she's very unique. And I don't know, I just respect that. I think, especially with those kind of shows where there's loads of dancing and all that kind of stuff, it would be easy to mime, wouldn't it, or to do something yeah. kind of. But she really does put it out there. I've seen I've seen a few things on um dvd because my aunt used to really love her so um i used to watch some of the dvds but uh okay kylie i don't think we've had kylie as a queer anthem before so i, I like that I, I, i'm very surprised <laughs> <laughs> We're I Madonna. Yeah, yeah yeah i did i don't know if you saw it but i absolutely loved um her like kind of rock version of slow that she did for glastonbury oh i, I was literally gonna say like i in her a lot of her shows what she, you know she'll do like a, a complete like a genre change of her, one of her songs and i remember the golden um tour was amazing because it was just countryfied versions of her old songs that like and you know they're all playing it live with a band it's not sort of like you know press mm. play and go and do a no. dance routine. i mean i saw uh, i'm not gonna not gonna talk, talk shit about sort of about sort of other artists but let's I, I saw another artist that a pride number of years ago in brighton and and it was very much a kind of oh everything's lip sync so it's just a dance act really you know Brittany, pre- yeah, pre- pre- yeah. Pre- <laughs> come on I'm we all gonna, know <laughs> okay fine yes but but you know it, it, i i don't want to be that person that, that takes down sort of other people because I, I think i don't like being negative but um but well, no, no, Brit- but, Brittany's, but Brittany's a good artist she's she's had good songs and she um is a good dancer and she puts on a good show but she's never been a live singer i don't think that's putting her down i think that's just fact isn't it it's like well, you, know, people, people, you know you have different types of artists who do different things you know some people yeah. are dancers but i think I, what i love is like i love that you know, when you go to Kylie show, it's it's live, it's yeah. it's fresh, and you're seeing something that's 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 unique to that concert. You're not just seeing like uh, you know the, the album track played live, you know, but being played, yeah. on, you know, exactly how it sounds on the track. Um, yeah, I think. Uh, I love her Abbey Road Studios album yeah, as well, with all those versions. Are just um, yeah, I think they're, they're fab. Um, no, she's she is really great. Um, oh, did you watch the Neighbours reunion when she came back? I didn't. I've yet to see it actually, oh. because that happened when like just going on holiday, and it was just uh, I ha- I've yet to I kind of haven't really caught up with life since getting back because everything no. was so crazy. So it's on my list of things to watch. Yeah, I I just I didn't actually watch it, um, but I <laughs> I saw a clip on I think it was on Facebook. Um, so yeah, it was uh, she's wearing some nice double denim like she did back in the eighties, <laughs> curly hair and stuff again. So uh, yeah, I love it. Ultimate holiday destination. Okay, that's. Uh, because I've, I've now been to quite a few places now over the years, especially with okay. the film and stuff. So, but Ultimate Holiday Destination, um, oh, I'm going to be really boring and say Sitges. I've just come back from there and I absolutely love it. And to the point where, you know, I would almost love if if, if I could afford it to buy a holiday home there, because I just think it's just such a wonderful place, especially like it's a, it's a, there's very few places in the world that are, um, 
you know a small village but so so gay but in a not but also nice that's yeah, it's not yeah. like a sort of not trashy like it's but because historically you know 100 years ago i think all the artists left barcelona and sort of the queer people went to there and so that's kind of part of the dna of the town okay. and every time i go there i just feel like it's just lovely i just I love am. spending time with it did you go on a gay cruise i did as well yeah what um, was that like are they are they good well that was my it, I mean, it was a, it was an experience. I mean, yes, I loved it. It was great, but I mean, it, it, I don't think I was fully prepared for what it'd be like. You know, it's 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 intense, right? Because you know, yeah. but it's I'd never been on a cruise before, but it 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 is amazing. And that you, you've got the cruise side of it, you know, the sense that you're you're basically traveling around in a luxury hotel that's all inclusive, mm. and you're stopping for mm. all these destinations that will cost you absolutely thousands if you were going to actually visit them all individually, and you get to have a sort of taster of them for you know, it's, it pulls into port for a day, you go and do some excursions, and come back. Um, but the, but the fact that it's, you know, you've got 4,000 gay men on a, you know, on a cruise and there's, and there's two parts, there's almost two, like an afternoon party and an evening party every wow. day. Um, and if you don't, you know, and there's also, you know, these amazing shows that like, unbelievable. I feel like I'm doing a sort of like a, an advertisement for Atlantis cruises now, but <laughs> like, sort of like a sales pitch. I don't work for them. I'm not sponsored by them, but no, it, it, but it was, it was amazing. You know, it, it was just, uh, it was just an amazing experience, but yeah, yeah. I came back thinking i probably shouldn't have gone to maybe every single party oh, okay <laughs> I stayed up till six in the morning every night but it was it's uh, fomo though isn't it it's like what yeah. will i miss out on if i don't but go things you, you i think when we land when we sort of land we landed when we arrived embarked or whatever got on board anyway yeah um they say you know try, don't you can't do everything don't try and do everything and because there is you know, there's always there's two things on at the same time there's always like an amazing show at the same time that they've got mm. a um, you know, a party on, and there's you know, amazing excursions that start at seven in the morning. But you, there's no way you'd have to miss a party to be able to go on that. So you kind of have to just sort of get over the FOMO quite quickly and yeah. just sort of go with the flow a bit. But it, it is difficult because you know you kind of think, oh, I want to do everything, and then you just burn yeah. out. And, and yeah. I did. I did. <laughs> I think cruise. We did a cruise a few years ago, not a gay cruise, um, but we, uh, yeah, we loved it. It was just, just like this. I don't know, being on this a moving like town. It was just incredible. It, it, All this it, it, like and it's five star dining, and it's just yeah, it's just amazing, isn't it? It's so so cool. Yeah. Um, finish the sentence. Rugby is amazing I mean, amazing <laughs> uh, inclusive <laughs> lots of fun amazing and for everyone and go. for everyone a very long sentence with lots of commas <laughs> uh your biggest inspiration uh in, in life or for the film in life in life biggest inspiration oh um i i just wish i could come up with like i, I go i'm almost, honestly i go complete blank with these sort of things um biggest inspiration i'm gonna pick someone it's at and i after five minutes later i'm gonna go actually that's not at all who i find inspiring but um um biggest inspiration oh god um could be no one it could be just you <laughs> have your own back it's fine <laughs> um no i really want to pick a good answer and this is why it's annoying it's a sort of I, i'd like to pick someone who kind of like a, you know someone who's a, a absolute creative sort of powerhouse because that's the sort of people who i mm. I, I love seeing their work because it's kind of it's what i kind of try to aspire to be you know to, uh, to cultivate multiple different creative outlets and and i love other people who do that like um Oh, people! I I can't think of it. I'm I'm thinking if I talk enough, someone's going to pop into my head. But like, you know, I love people who sort of do, you know, you know, music, acting, film work, you know, art, you know, all sort of different disciplines. I love multidisciplinary people. Um, so and whenever I sort of see you know a famous person who sort of does you know was you know has has got into doing something else, I think oh, it's amazing. I I love the fact yeah. that you, we can try new disciplines and um and I'm sort of skirting around coming up with the names. I can't. No, do you know anymore. what? I think that's actually a really nice answer because. I think you're right. There's so many people that have different kind of arts or creative outlets, and I think you can get lots from different people. Um, yeah. I, th I definitely feel like I have over the years. There's, I, I take inspiration from singers and performers, but then people that have written amazing books, or you know, I love what one of my favorite pastimes is just to sit and watch old interviews on YouTube of people. Be, I mean, obviously, you know I love interviewing oh, people, yeah. but, but I absolutely love listening to people's stories. And you know, I, I don't know. I think you can learn so much from someone and. It may be someone that you've never even thought about, but actually they become a yeah. real inspiration. I love and you start following their work and yeah, yeah. like Miriam Margulies. My goodness! Oh like... my god! I didn't. It's, it's like weird you mentioned that because for some reason the last week, millions of her old videos are appearing on my newsfeed. I don't know if there's like there's something going on that like okay, but, but I mean the amount of yeah amount of her videos or clips from you know Graham Norton shows that have come up sort of com yeah. comedy moments and things, and I just think, oh, she's amazing. <laughs> she yeah, is. She's so her. good. I've watched those clips from Graham Norton so many times, but I think, you know, I didn't really know much of her work before kind of like Harry Potter. Yeah. Um, and, you know, probably because of my age and stuff, but I don't know. I, I just find her so no bullshit. This is who I am. This is what I'm going to say. 
I don't know. There's something quite authentic about all of that, and I I don't think she's being fake. I think that she's being a no, real person. I love, I love the the how prov- how sexually provocative she is, and yes. how, and how that that I like that that challenges our perception that you know that uh, only conventionally attractive people can be can be that, and actually that yeah. we, all, we all have sex and we all like it, and the fact yeah. that she's just like no nonsense about just talking about it and it shocks everyone. I love. I just love it. Have you, know, you seen think- the? It was in the clip where she says, um, they said, would you rather have a radish or sex? Oh, I love... It depends if it's a good radish or bad sex. sex, I'd (laughs) rather have sex. If it's bad sex, I'd rather have a radish. (laughs) I love it. She's brilliant. Um, She's really chomping on that radish as well when she's talking, isn't she? (laughs) It makes it, doesn't it? No, I think, to answer the question, I think, uh, yeah, I'm going to pick an archetype of a person rather than a specific person. I love people who are creative, who constantly create and constantly, um, you know, um, engage in multidisciplined creativity that's mm. those are the kind of people generally who i just find amazingly inspiring and who, whose work i follow because it's it's yeah that's the kind of the mentality i was trying try and cultivate for myself yeah successfully, successfully or otherwise i don't know but yeah no, know, absolutely those, those are the types of people who i look up to rather than trying to pick one person in particular. one person in particular amazing and finally what's next obviously this film is going to be a major success we've <gasps> got loads of premieres and the music's coming out and obviously the dvd um towards the end of november but you know have you got other plans in the pipeline in terms of more films and is there other stuff you'd like to well, be doing um yes i, I actually Weird enough, I wrote the first draft to another script that's something completely different. Okay. Um, and I wrote that before we shot in from the side. Um, and I've sort of been mulling over it and revisiting it. And uh, I'm probably going to, at some point when the film calms down a bit, in from the side, that is. Um, so, you know, start doing some rewrites for a second draft. And I've got lots of ideas for it. And it's something, I mean, I've already shot some test footage for it. I've location scouted. So it's it's very, very different entirely. Again, it's kind of not a very interesting kind of look at um, relationships and and the sort of the fringes of what what's acceptable and things like that but mm-hmm. so it's, it's, there's there's, co- there's su- some common themes between but it's it's a very very it's a it's a much darker more cynical film which i i, I was sort of i chatted to one of the actors in the film chris sherwood who's an ab- absolute gent lovely chap he's the guy who plays uh jimmy the sort of the captain of the b team in the film mm-hmm. um and about you know I was, he came over when he was just to catch up and and i was saying i feel really sort of nervous about making a follow-up film because you know the fact that this is if this had just quietly gone out no one had paid attention it wouldn't have been such a big deal but because people look at it's kind of you know getting a cinema release people are you know, mm. noticing it it puts pressure on that the next film there's going to be an expectation of like you know are we going to get another room from the side or something similar um and i kind of wanted you to do something completely different i mean i i love i love the horror genre and stuff I and mean, it's not a horror film it's more sort of thriller but i love you know uh as well as jordan peele i love ari aster i think he's an incredible like filmmaker and his films just like i find very confronting and shocking in a way that I just I find that so exciting and I'd love mm. to make a film even half as good as that so I'd love to try and do something like that for the second one and I've, and I've got to just sit down and basically do some rewrites but I think the premise is really interesting and it's one of those I'm not going to spoil it here but it's one of those premises you know when you, you when you tell a story or an anecdote you can see when someone's sort of zoning in or they're, when mm-hmm. they're focused or they're, when they're sort of phasing out of it and it's one that people always sort of look you can see their eyes light up because it's kind of quite an interesting premise so okay amazing um, so it's incredible yeah, that, that's so something else in the works that potentially i might film in the next year or two and also you know what you just said about it's almost like the second album kind of curse yes. isn't it, where people say oh the second album is gonna be the good of the first but more album yeah. yeah but it's you know i don't know it's if you're passionate about something and you really put your love into it and you know you're pleased with the quality i think that's what's really important obviously you want it to be successful but it's it's putting out art isn't it that you really yeah can stand behind and, and love i think that's incredibly important i think it's um it's something I've not had to experience before in terms of like, you know, having um, an audience for your art set and, and, and the effect that can have on you and how that can put you into your own, your own head a bit. Because hmm. before I've just, you know, you just write because it's something that no one else, you don't think anyone's going to see it. So yeah. you're kind of just making it, you're, in, you're engaging in the creative process more freely. Whereas when you know that you're putting the end, you're putting the cup full horse by thinking I've got to make something that people are going to like. Mm. And that kind of is like, uh, the, is poison for the creative process. And I've got to kind of get out of my head a bit now. Yeah, absolutely. But, um, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, well, look, congratulations. The film was just incredible. I absolutely loved it. And I will be recommending it to all of my friends to go and see. There's a premiere tomorrow in Brighton. I know this is no yep. good because this is coming out on the 8th of October. <laughs> but tomorrow is the 16th of um, September and there's a premiere. So um, you must be really excited about about that. And Oh, um, it's going to be loads of fun. Yeah. So, I mean, my whole rugby club's coming along. And I couldn't think of anywhere I'd love to be more than, you know, opening night with my rugby club um yeah and in brighton and we've got uh, some of the actors coming down so we're doing a q a afterwards so it'll be a real kind of show i, I don't know why i'm plugging it it's just, <laughs> your, your list is 
How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm going to hear this story like weeks later, but um, you know, it'll be a lot of fun. Oh, amazing. I might have to um, come down and, uh, and watch it on the screen and uh, oh, absolutely try and, make, try and meet the actors that I keep crushing over. <laughs> well, I, I don't think Alex Lincoln can come, but a lot of the other ones can. So you might have oh. to be hashtag Team Warren for the evening. Team Warren, yeah. Oh, no, they, were, they, were, they were all, it was a great cast. They were all absolutely amazing. But no, um, that would be great. I'm actually recording a, another podcast tomorrow evening, but um, I might be able to pop down after that. It'd be great to see yeah, it on absolutely. the big screen. So, but thank you so, so much and um, good luck with everything. And um, yeah, look forward to, to seeing your success grow. Thank you very much. It's been lovely to speak to you. Oh, what an incredible episode. I absolutely love speaking to Matt so much. The movie was absolutely incredible and I encourage everyone to go out and see it. And if you don't get a chance to see it at the cinema, you can buy it on DVD in November. It really is worth the watch. You can follow Matt on Instagram and you can also follow In From The Side, the movie on Instagram as well for all the latest updates. But thank you so, so much to Matt once again for coming onto the podcast and thank you all for listening. Until next time. Don't forget to like, share and subscribe to this podcast. You can follow me on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. My handle is at Fluey Actually. You can also check out my website, flueyactually.com. 